Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. I had um, started a teaching a few Sunday nights ago, and I need to go back because God has just given me a, a, a specific focus over the next few weeks, and, and this is one of those assignments. And I want to talk to you about being filled to the full, and that God's plan for us is, is a fullness. And uh, we looked at Philippians chapter 4, and I want to go back to that as our base and see how much further we can get down this road of revelation because uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And there are some things that we need to move into that we're only going to get there by having it proclaimed to us under the anointing and then be able to walk in it. And I know even as I am ministering on, on these subjects, as the anointing flows, I see things that I may not have even seen while I was studying for it because the Holy Spirit is bringing light to us. So Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, it says, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all your need. The Weiss translation says, My God shall satisfy to the full your every need in accordance with His wealth in glory in Christ Jesus. The Amplified says, My God will liberally supply, fill to the full your every need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Fill to the full, fill to the full, satisfy to the full. God wants to introduce himself to us as our provider. He wants us to know him as our, our provider. He wants us to experience him as our provider. In our previous lesson on this subject, we talked about how God when Abraham was offering Isaac, how that Abraham came to know God in a way he had never known God before, that he, he was so impacted by this revelation of God as provider that he named the location of the place that he encountered God in this way. He named that place Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord who sees and provides. Amen? That it was a revealing of an aspect of God that he did not have a clarity on before that moment. But after that experience, he knew God as provider in a way he didn't know God as provider before. And that's what God has placed in my heart, that, that we need to know him 
as provider in a way that we haven't known him as provider before. All of us are at different levels in how we know him in different aspects of who he is. All of us have, have different experience of how God has revealed himself to us. And I shared with you uh, from my own experience that I know God as a savior. I know that he is capable of saving even people who are addicted to drugs, even people who have lived a lifestyle of prostitution, that God is able because I know him that way. I know him as, as the one who sets at liberty those who are bruised. I know him as one who breaks the chains of the, those who are uh, held in prison or in bondage. I know him in that way. And in that same way, God wants us to know him as the source of our supply. He wants us to know him as the one who fills to the full. He wants us to experience this aspect of his character and his, his, his being in our life. Amen? Especially because we are his children. He is our heavenly father and provision is what fathers do best. Provision is what fathers do best. Amen? So God wants us to know Him as the source of our supply. When we talk about uh, knowing God in this way, we recognize that there, for instance, the name Jehovah Jireh, which although Abraham called that place Jehovah Jireh, it is also one of the compound names of God that we can see in the scripture to identify his character. We know there's Jehovah Rapha, uh, the Lord our healer. There's uh, Jehovah Sidkenu, uh, Jehovah Nisi, all of the, the different compound names. But Genesis chapter 17, God introduced himself to Abraham in a previous encounter uh, by the name of the El Shaddai. Genesis 17, 1, we see it in King James as the Almighty God. But if you look at it from the original language, it means the, uh, it, it does mean the all-sufficient one, the Almighty God. It also means El Shaddai. So he is all-sufficient. He is El Shaddai, which means... Uh, that he is the God of more than enough. He is the God of more than enough. And a lot of times people are compromising and settling for the God of just enough when that's not ever how he is described in the Bible. He is not the God of just enough. Never, never does it describe him or identify him as the God who just barely meets your needs. He is the God of more than enough. Even when God restores, even when God restores, and, and if you were here Wednesday night, the Holy Spirit spoke out an utterance about, uh, and it wasn't necessarily a, 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 a word of prophecy utterance, but it was something that came out in the preaching that hit our spirits uh, with, with a, an impact that, this, that God never will leave us in the deficit. Amen? but that he is, he is interested in recompense and restoration in our life. Restoration from God's point of view is never giving you back just what you lost. 
When you begin to look at restoration in the Bible, you find out that when God restores, He gives you seven times more. Amen. Amen. He gives you, He brings it in a greater abundance than it was lost from you. When, when, when Job was restored, it came back double to him. Amen. And so the restoration of God and it indicates that God is not just trying to, to give you back penny for penny what you lost, but that he's interested in restoring with back pay, with interest. Amen? So this is an aspect of the God of more than enough. He is the God of more than enough, and his plan for us is to live a life of more than enough. What he has designed for our life is never paycheck to paycheck. God's not interested in his people living paycheck to paycheck. You cannot fulfill the plan of God for your life living paycheck to paycheck. He wants you to live a life of abundance. He wants us to live a life in the blessing so that we can be a blessing. Amen. Amen. Psalm 25 and verse 12 gives us an indication of the plan, the purpose, the determination that God has chosen for his people. Hallelujah. Psalm 25, verse 12 and 13. What man is he that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. This phrase, dwell at ease, in the original language means, uh, means uh, prosperity or bountiful. The word ease means prosperity or bountiful. Bountiful is more than enough. If you are bountifully supplied, you have more than just what you need. You have an excess. It says here that his, his soul shall dwell at ease or in prosperity, or bountiful. The New International says, they will spend their days in prosperity, and their descendants shall inherit the land. I'm interested in inheriting some land. Hallelujah. I'm laying hold of land in the Spirit. Amen. It says, they, they will spend their days in prosperity. The New Living says, they will live in prosperity. Hallelujah. They will live in prosperity. This word ease also is defined as wealth and good in the widest possible sense. Not in a narrow definition, but in the widest possible sense. Wealth and good in the widest possible sense. Hallelujah. And that's what we see in God. God will supply all of our need according to His riches and glory. Hallelujah. According to, God will supply according to His riches. Not just barely what we need, but according to His riches. It's a more than enough supply. It's an abundant provision and supply. It is a bountiful supply. When it says according to His riches, we found out in our previous teaching, it means from His own personal supply. In other words, God's not reaching into the kingdom supply to get it. He's reaching in His very own pocket 
and saying, I got your need right here. I got you covered right here. I've got what you need. I'm your supply. Amen. Out of his very own stock or supply. Hallelujah. This is the, the understanding that we take away from Philippians chapter 4. It's not just a, just a barely enough need meeting that's going on. When he says, my God shall supply, he will fill to the full. He will satisfy to the full. Another definition going back to Philippians chapter 4, 19, that word uh, uh, fill to the full, my God shall supply. It also means to cram. To cram. Hallelujah. Come on, if you cram something into a suitcase so much that you have to sit on it, am I the only one who's ever tried to pack all my shoes that I needed to go with every outfit? Thank you. Thank you very much. And you have to sit on the suitcase to get it to shut because I have crammed it full. Amen. And that's what God's going to do when He supplies. It's not just barely enough so you're getting your bills just paid and then you got to hold on, hold on, hold on till the next paycheck. No, He wants to cram. His blessing will cram a supply in there. Don't you wish they'd do that to our potato chip bags? Have mercy. Furnish. Satisfy, finish, and complete all of your needs. These are definitions that come from the original language when it says to supply. Fill to the full, cram, furnish, satisfy, finish, and complete all your needs. Hallelujah. According to His riches, His wealth, His money, and His possessions in glory by Christ Jesus. This is... God's design to fill us to the full. To, and to do that, to live that design, you have to know Him as provider. You have to know that He is a blesser. Does Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 tell us those who come to God must know that He is and that He is a rewarder? We must know, we must believe that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Glory to God. In Ezekiel 34, Ezekiel 34, <clears throat> and beginning in verse 25, I want to read through these verses and investigate the covenant of peace. Again, the word peace in the Hebrew language means nothing missing, nothing broken. It means a condition or a state where there is nothing missing or, or broken in a person's life. It is a well-being. It's an all-inclusive word covering every aspect of your life. It was so ingrained in the minds and the hearts of the Hebrew people that instead of saying, hey, how you doing? Their common greeting to each other was, do you have the peace that comes from being made whole? That is the question that the prophet sent Gehazi to ask the Shunammite woman when she was coming to see the prophet because her son had died. He said, I see the Shunammite woman. You go ask her, how is her peace? 
And so Gehazi came to her and he said, how is your husband's peace? How is your peace? How is your son's peace? And in the Hebrew language, she responded with the word peace. She said, I have the shalom of God, the peace that comes from being made whole. That was a declaration of faith because her son was laying lifeless on the bed in her home. But she was coming because she had a covenant with God who had supplied this area that was missing and broken in her life from the beginning. She was missing and broken in the beginning when he brought to her this child. And now she's returning to the origin of the provision of this child to get the restoration of this child and she knows that this covenant of peace is the connection to her restoration and she says I have the peace that comes from being made whole and sure enough she got it and so we see here in verse 25 of chapter 34 I will make with them a covenant of peace I will make with them a covenant of peace. This covenant that we have in Christ through Abraham is a covenant of peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. This same peace that means full restoration of every area of your life to the point that you have nothing missing and nothing broken is ours by covenant. He has made with us this covenant of peace. He has made with us a, a provision of wholeness so that you never have to be missing provision in your life. You never have to be broken in an area of supply. Say out loud, I'll never be broken another day in my life. Hallelujah. He says, I will make with them a covenant of peace and will cause the evil beasts to cease out of the land and they will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods and I will make them and the places round about my hill a blessing. Notice that. He says that this covenant of peace is going to protect us from the evil that is present but unable to reach us. It is traveling in our vicinity, but there is a protection wall around about us protecting us from that evil. He is giving us such a peace that we can sleep in the midst of it and sleep safely. And then he says, he will make us a blessing. He says, I will make them and the places round about my hill a blessing. That's the covenant we have, that we will not only be blessed, but that we will be blessed to the point that we become a blessing. And then he said, I will cause the shower to come down in his season. I will cause. God said, I have power to cause showers to come down. But he's not talking about rain. He's not talking about just rain showers in the natural. He says showers of blessing. There shall be showers of blessing. Are you, have you checked the forecast? We are in a time where the showers of blessing are abundantly pouring. This word in the original language means to pour down violently. Shower means to pour, and not a little, not a little soft rain. He's talking about a gusher. He's talking about a toad strangling kind of shower. 
of blessing. He said, pour down violently. This word shower means to come down heavy. In other words, when you start to get out of your car and you don't have anything to cover your hair and you're going to get wet because you can't run fast enough to keep that water from hitting your head and drenching your hair when it's coming down that hard. And that's what the blessing, he said, these are showers of blessing. Hallelujah. Showers of blessing. This is defined as a falling of things from the air in thick succession and in great and large quantities. A falling of things from the air. Does the Bible say the blessing will come on you? Does it, is that how it describes the movement of the blessing? That the blessing will come on you and overtake you? Hallelujah. Come on you in showers. It says falling from the air in thick succession and in great and large quantities. Hallelujah. Does it talk about these showers for the tither in Malachi chapter 3? He says, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. He is talking at it from an example of rain coming. Hallelujah. And he says, for the tither, I will pour you out a blessing. Showers of blessing are part of our covenant. Hallelujah. Oral Roberts said this. He said, not a trickle, not a stream, not a river, but a flood. If you got enough water coming at one time, you start having the water rise. Amen. I mean, when that water comes down heavy, I've, I've seen it even here in Little Rock when it has rained so much and so long and so hard that you see water in the, the, the bar ditch over here by the side of the road and it's rushing with a mighty current. Amen? And that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants this to be a season. He says that He will cause the showers to come down. Showers of blessing. And this will be the result. The tree of the field shall yield her fruit and the earth shall yield her increase. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And they will be safe in their land and shall know that I am the Lord when I have broken the bands of their yoke. You get enough supply and it can, there, there's not a debt that can hold you. If you. When you get enough provision coming in, you can pay every debt. He says... The broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them out of the hand of those that served themselves of them. Why? Because they were in debt to them. Because they owed them. I've been in the position where as much money that would come in, I had to pay it all out. And I didn't like being in that position. I didn't like having... I, I wanted to enjoy the money that came in, not have to bring it in and send it out, bring it in and send it out, bring it in and send it out. Amen? And that's why we began to release our faith to come out of debt so that we would not have to, to make money just to pay off something that's already broken, already worn out, already, already old. Right? Hallelujah. It says, They will no more be a prey to the heathen, neither shall the beast of the land devour them, but they will dwell safely 
and none shall make them afraid. And I will raise up for them a plant of renown, which means honor. I will raise up for them a plant of renown, and they shall be no more consumed with hunger in the land, neither bear the shame of the heathen anymore. The shame of the heathen was lack. The shame of the heathen was famine. And he said they will no more experience hunger and famine in their land. No more, no more not enough days. Why? Because the covenant of peace releases God's more than enough ability to operate in our lives. This is why we need the wisdom that is made available to us in Christ. Because as the finances come in, we don't want to spend it with fleshly motives. We don't want to spend in the flesh what comes to us by the Spirit. But we want to govern that which comes to us by this spiritual blessing with wisdom so that it is durable riches. When you work wisdom in your finances, you get durable riches. Riches that endure, not riches that are here today and gone tomorrow. Those happen because people get fleshly in their spending. And the Bible says the foolish man, uh, the wise man, the, uh, the wise man, there's oil and treasure to be desired in the house of the wise, but the foolish spend it all. So the difference between the wise and the foolish was what was spent and what was, what was kept, what was saved, what was invested. The wise saved it. The wives spent it with wisdom and saved it and didn't spend everything that came in, but the foolish spent it all. So do you see, there is a wisdom that comes along with the covenant so that money can remain in the kingdom hands of the kingdom people and flow in our lives. Amen? And be, enable us to be the blessing. Let's look at Leviticus 26.9. Leviticus 26.9. Leviticus 26 is similar to Deuteronomy 28. A lot of the uh, explanation is, is uh, similar to how the blessing was described in Deuteronomy 28. I want to look specifically at 9 and 10, and I'm going to ask for the amplified of it as well. He says, I will have respect unto you. Is that what he said in that? I will make you a plant of renown, a plant of honor. I will have respect unto you. What is it like for God to have respect unto you? It's talking of covenant. Because of the covenant we have with him, he respects that covenant and he deals with us from that covenant perspective. It's not just from a father to a child. That is an aspect of his motive for blessing us. You can, let me explain it that way. The, the motive is his love of a father for his children. But he, as a, a, a covenant-keeping father, established it in covenant to be administrated and received. Not just out of the love aspect, but from a covenant aspect. The motive is love, but the administration of it is by covenant. And that's for our safety because that is, is a, a 
solid legal ground for us to approach God. So we're not coming on the basis of need. We're coming on the basis of covenant. If God met need on the basis of need, there would be no starving children in the earth. But God has established faith or covenant as the means by which He administers His, His provisions and those things which He has made available in the covenant. It is faith in the covenant that accesses salvation, faith in the covenant that accesses healing, faith in the covenant that accesses financial provision, the blessing. So he says, I will have respect unto you and make you fruitful. Make you fruitful and multiply you and establish my covenant with you. And you will eat old store and bring forth the old because of the new. When I grew up, for a number of years, I lived on the farm with my grandparents in East Tennessee, and they canned food every summer. Every summer, my grandmother would can green beans, she would can tomatoes with okra in it, and she would can corn and, and pickles. She would make sweet pickles, too. So those were the main things that my grandmother would grow, harvest, and can. And when she got ready to put all of those jars that she had worked so diligently to can down in the basement, she would pull out last year's, move it up to the front, and put this year's back behind. Because we want to make room for the new by pulling out the old. Amen? That's what it's referring to here. He's, in other words, this is not hand to mouth paycheck to paycheck, just barely making it. God wants there to be supply. He wants there to be provision. He wants there to be an abundance in store for our lives. And he says this covenant that he is establishing with us will cause for our life a continual flowing of provision so that we are, we are having to be organized with our supply. We have to be organized with our supply. Budgets are of God. Budgets are of God. They are godly things. Why? Because they are ordering our money to work for the purposes that we have designed. A budget is not a restriction. It's not a limitation. It is a plan. It's a plan for the finances that God is coming. And if we don't have a plan... What is going to happen when God's blessings begin to flow? And too often, I have seen people who have come to us as their pastors and say, we make good money. Can you help us figure out why we never have any? And usually, it's because they're spending money they don't even know. When we begin to really look at how much they spent eating out, they are surprised. They are shocked. You mean to tell me I spent that much money eating out every week? Well, if you spend, let's say, for instance, you spend, uh, uh, let's just say that somebody gets a, a, a coffee every day, $5 a day. You go to Starbucks, it's really 5 bucks, 
right? Starbucks, that's the new name, five bucks. And so you get a coffee every day. That's $25 a week, five days a week for, for work days, right? $25 a week. So that's $100 a month on a month that has four weeks in it. If you got a five-week month, you got $125, right? And so 52, help me with my math here, 52 weeks in a year and you're doing $25 a week. When you look at it from that perspective, can you, anybody got a math of, of $1,200 on coffee? Get my coffee maker out. Have mercy. Can you, for $1,200, you could have paid off one of those bills that you've been working on, right? But see, people think, well, it's just a $5 coffee. Not when it's five days a week and, and every day of the week of the year. Do you see why budgets are of God? Because God wants to bring the supply into our life, but he wants us to have wisdom with it when it comes so that it goes into the purposes and the plans that we desire for it to go into. Amen? So when we talk about the blessing, we don't want to just look at it from, woo, money, increase, overflow, wisdom. We need wisdom for the overflow. We need wisdom for the provision. We need wisdom for the supply. I want to read verse 9 and 10 from the Amplified Bible. It says, I will be leaning toward you with favor and regard for you. That's why it said in King James, I will have respect. The Amplified is identifying that respect as favor. I will be leaning toward you with favor and regard for you, rendering you fruitful, multiplying you, and establishing and ratifying my covenant with you. And you will eat the abundant old store of produce long kept and clear out the old to make room for the new. That's the plan of God for us. That there is a, a constant provision that is multiplying every time. There needs to be an organization on our part that comes with the provision. The, a supply. The, the uh, Old Testament refers to it as the wisdom of the ant. The wisdom of the ant is during a time of harvest, put it back. Don't just spend it because it's rolling in. It's rolling in for a purpose. It's rolling in. Lord, what do I need to do with this? Put it back. Prepare. I mean, tires are going to wear out. So we don't want to wait until they wear out to try to look somewhere in our finances to figure out where am I going to buy some new tires. If, we're, if wisdom is working, then I already know I'm putting back a supply for maintenance, for repairs, for, for, to keep my car in, in excellence, right? Uh, here's, here's one, here's one. Christmas has been on the calendar all year. It should not catch any of us off guard. None of us should have to at the last minute figure out, oh my goodness, where am I going to get money for Christmas presents? It's been on the calendar all year long. Amen? So this wisdom is what he's referring to when he says you will eat the old store. There's going to be a, such a supply 
But you need to have wisdom to know how to pull out the old, make room for the new, and have a purpose and a plan to, to know what to do with the finances as they come. Third John, third John, and verse 2. Hallelujah. Third John, this is a familiar one, but I want you to put your eyes on it. He says, Beloved, I wish, my center column reference says pray. I prefer pray because I don't really wish. Beloved, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So we know that all scripture is inspired by God. The Holy Spirit inspired this to be written. It is in line with the will of God to say that God's desire is that we prosper and be in health. That we prosper. The word prosper is an interesting word from the original language. It means to, uh, to succeed on the road. To succeed on the road. That you succeed on the road. A happy journey on a particular road is one definition. A happy journey on a particular road. To be on the right profitable path that leads to success that you prosper. In other words, uh, to succeed in reaching your destination fully supplied and in a blessed condition. God doesn't want you coming to the end of your life tore up from the floor, up, broke, busted, and disgusted, just worn out from, from wear and use. He wants you to reach the end of the journey refreshed, fully supplied. Amen? This is the word prosper that is used here. To succeed in reaching your destination fully supplied and in a blessed condition. When we see Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, we find out uh, one of the keys to this. Joshua chapter 1 is a success scripture. It is the only time the King James Version of the Bible uses the word success. I know there's a lot of other indications, but I just thought that was interesting that this is the one place that we see the word success identified. He says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success." When it says you will make your way prosperous, this word way means a journey, a road, or a path. Just the same as we saw in 3 John, that you may prosper, that you may prosper. We see here that the Word of God causes us to make our way prosperous, our journey prosperous. So the word is the key. If God didn't want us to make our way prosperous, he should not have given us his word. He should not have allowed us access to it. 
but because he wanted it for us, he gave us his word and he said, if you will meditate in my word, you'll make your way prosperous. You'll make your journey prosperous. You'll make your road prosperous. Hallelujah. Why? Because the word of God is going to help us see the ways of God. The word of God is going to help us access that wisdom that we need. Amen. And it's also going to provide the confidence that God wants us to be blessed. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 9. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 9. He says, Keep therefore the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do that you may prosper in all that you do. So whatever it is you've been putting your hand to, whatever it is you've been endeavoring, whether it's saving money, whether it's coming out of debt, whether it is uh, 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 raising your family, whatever it is that you're putting your hand to, He wants it to prosper. He wants it to succeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We also see from Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Psalm chapter 1, it's another familiar verse, but please put your eyes on it. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the word of God, the law of the Lord. The word law is not referring to Mosaic law, it is a word that means teaching instrument. And God's word is, how he, is, is his instrument to teach us with. So it says, in his teaching instrument, the word of God, we delight day and night. We meditate day and night. And that word meditate means to imagine, to ponder, to perceive. It includes the word mutter, which is speaking softly to yourself. It says that we interact with the word day and night. And verse 3, we will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Hallelujah. Whatever we do shall prosper. So we've seen from 3 John 2 that it is the desire of the Spirit of God, of God Himself, that we would prosper and be in health, that our journey would be a successful, fully supplied journey. We have seen from Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 that by meditating in His Word, we can make our way, our journey, our road, our path prosperous. We've seen from Deuteronomy 29 that if we will keep His commandments, His Word, we will prosper in all that we do. We see here again our interaction with the Word causes whatever we do to prosper. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is, this is God's desire for us. He wants it for you. You're not trying to get something from God. You're not trying to twist His arm. You're not trying to make Him do something He's not interested in doing. He wants it more than he wanted it before you even thought it was available. He designed it and made it in covenant, a provision in covenant 
before you even knew what covenant was. I was, I was thinking about this recently. You know, when I got born again, I didn't even know half of what was available that I'm aware of today. All I wanted was just to be free of the addiction that I was in and somebody told me that God would help me get free from that addiction and that was good enough. I, that one little glimmer of hope that came up that day if, that I prayed in the chapel of that hospital and memorial uh, hospital uh, there in Goodlettsville, Tennessee when I prayed that prayer. I just, if God can help me, I want His help. I didn't know that He would renew my mind by His Word. I didn't know that He would make me a new creature in Christ. I didn't know He would make me the righteousness of God. Are you, are you serious? I didn't know all of these provisions that came with it. I just was glad to get free from the addiction. I was just glad to be saved and forgiven and know that I was going to go to heaven when I died. But then I began to find out all of the benefit package that's involved and who am I to tell God I don't want all of the rest who am I to tell Jesus you took the curse but I'm not interested in taking the blessing if, if wait wait you mean to tell me he became cursed to bless me well bring that blessing over here come on you mean to tell me he took poverty on himself he the, he became poor with my poverty. Bring that blessing on over here. Bring that riches on over here. Because he did that to get it to me. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. I'm not going to leave it on the table and say, well, I don't need all that. Well, if he thought I needed it, then he knows better than me. If you say I need it, Lord, I need it. You don't have to keep it all. You don't have to be a hoarder and just hoard it all to yourself. No, that the purpose is for you to be a blessing. The purpose is for you to cultivate a generosity in your life that enables you to be a, a, a conduit that the blessing can flow through. So it's not about greed. You know, the blessing won't work if you're greedy anyway. There's a safety on it. You know, it, it is such a powerful thing that God put a safety on it. It won't work for the greedy. If a person is greedy, the blessing is not going to function to its fullness anyway. So don't even worry about, well, I just feel like I'm greedy saying, bless me, bless me, bless me, Lord. It doesn't work for the greedy. It works for the generous. It works for those who want to be a blessing. That, because we are covenant-minded to recognize he is establishing his covenant with me for the purpose of me being able to continue that covenant establishing in the lives of others. Let's finish in one place. Let's look here at uh, Psalm 92. Psalm 92. Psalm 92, let's look at verse 12. The righteous, is that you? Do I have any righteous in the house tonight? The righteous, that's me. When I see the righteous, I look and find out what belongs to me. The righteous shall flourish. Flourish like the palm tree. 
This word flourish means spontaneous growth, abundantly luxurious in growth, to thrive and to bloom. The righteous shall flourish. In the, the uh, Hebrew, it also means to increase, enlarge, become extremely successful, enter into a state of prosperity. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. The righteous shall enter into a state of prosperity, increase in wealth, favor, and honor is another definition in the Hebrew language. To increase in wealth, favor, and honor. Become extremely successful. Enter into a state of prosperity. Increase in wealth, favor, and honor. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. So this flourishing is not a one-time event. And the blessing is not a one-time event. As I have studied the blessing, I have looked and I have seen that God intends for it to be a lifelong continual process of the blessing. For instance, Abraham encountered God, entered into the blessing, and from that moment he began to increase. And it shows different aspects of his increasing. It shows that he increased and that, you know, because when he left from where he was, he didn't leave with much, he took lot. But then we see him uh, with 318 men going to rescue Lot after Lot had separated from him and went and lived over by Sodom and Gomorrah. So he's multiplied so that he needs enough people on his property to help him oversee his herds. Remember, they, they increased so much that Lot and Abraham couldn't be in the same vicinity, so Lot had to go somewhere with his herds, right? So that was an increase. But then we see him continually increasing. And then I believe it's chapter 35 where one of Abraham's servants is testifying and he says, the Lord has blessed my master greatly. And he, he is wealthy in... And he begins to list all of the different cattle and sheep and oxen and all of the different things that he has become uh, abundantly supplied in. So it wasn't just a one-time event. It was a continual operation of the blessing in his life. The same thing with Jacob. That when, when Jacob uh, came back, when Jacob left because Esau wanted to kill him, when he left, he could carry his stuff in his knapsack. But when he came back, he was so wealthy, he had, divide, had to divide into two different bands and send part of the band over first and part of the group coming along behind. Hallelujah. And the blessing did that. The Bible says that God was with Joseph. The blessing on Joseph took him 
through every situation that the enemy or the adversity or people with wrong intentions put him in, God kept turning it around for his good. Took him out of that put, pit, put him into Potiphar's house. God was with him. Potiphar's wife lied on him. God was still with him when he was in the prison, made him ruler over everything in the prison. And one day he woke up a prisoner, but he went to bed that night over all that existed in that nation except for the, the one above him, which was the Pharaoh. Hallelujah. The blessing did that. The blessing did that. And the blessing wants to work in our life with that continual operation of flourishing, an increase in wealth, entering into a state of prosperity. I've got one more and then we'll close. Second close, Job 36. I'll only use two tonight. Job 36, verse 11. If they obey and serve Him... They shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. The New Living says, If they listen and obey God, they will be blessed with prosperity throughout their lives. All their years will be pleasant. Hallelujah. This is the plan that God has for us. Just lift your hands right now and submit to God's plan. Oh, Father, we desire your blessing plan to have its full operation in our life. We want to know you as the God who fills to the full. So, Father, as, our, as a church family, I, I declare before you tonight, Father, thank you for filling every area of this church family to the full. Every family, every home, let us experience that more than enough flow in our lives and with the wisdom to conduct that financial increase in line with that blessing so that it continues in our life. In Jesus' name. Did you receive tonight? Praise God. Let's stand to our feet as we prepare to dismiss.